and welcome back to the Replatform podcast. It's just me today. James is out with clients, um, but I'm joined today by Kate Walmsley, um, and I'll let her introduce herself uh, shortly. Um, so as always, we're sponsored by Clavio, which is a best-in-class email and SMS marketing platform, and Ampliance, which is an API-first content management platform. Um, and as I've already mentioned, I'm here with Kate today. Kate, why don't you give us a bit of an intro to yourself, at your background, and then also turn. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Um, yeah, so uh, my background is uh, marketing, digital, and e-commerce. Um, I have always been focused in those areas, started out agency side uh, way back, um, and digital strategy, and uh, eventually made my way over into retail, um, heading up the e-commerce and digital business for Topshop. Um, I was there for a number of years. Uh, and that is actually where I met my co-founder, uh, Zoe Rouswell. So uh, we both worked together uh, at um, at a really exciting time in e-commerce where, you know, the world was our oyster, as it were. Um, you know, there was a huge amount of growth. No one was doing it particularly well. Uh, there were new platforms to explore. Uh, online marketing, performance media was really just coming to the fore. I mean, uh, you know, Twitter was just getting off the ground. If I'm dating myself too much there. Um, it was uh, it was really, really good fun um, and was there for a number of years, uh, at the end of which it became clear uh, that maybe we weren't headed in the right direction um, and needed to do something a little bit different. I left and picked up some contracting work um, and Zoe did the same. And uh, we rejoined forces in 2019 when we were both finishing out uh, contracts at other retailers with a discussion around kind of how could we work together again, because we love working together. Uh, how could we build a team together again? How could we do something that felt like it had more purpose, more um, would be more rewarding, uh, both for ourselves and something that we felt would be giving back um, something that would be something we could be really proud of uh, as we move forward. Um, and we could see again in a different rise this time, rather than e-commerce, it was re-commerce. And so we thought, let's set up our own consultancy, which we did, which is Zoka. Um, and uh, we took a little bit of time out uh, to say, we're going to help out retailers on their journey towards sustainability um, and explore the world that's out there a little bit more and understand kind of what opportunities might exist and how we could participate. Um, in that process, we ended up working for a circularity startup and we learned a lot um, through that journey around what was happening in the space and where the barriers were and where the opportunities were. And whilst there was a lot of focus on you know, larger retailers running pilot programs um, just to enter into the circular economy. Um, and actually, I should probably just clarify what I mean by the circular economy in case that's not something that everyone is familiar with. Um, that is uh, the process of keeping products and the materials that they're made of in use for longer. Um, so, uh, you know, circular models could include uh, repairs, rentals, resale, uh, refurbishment, recycling. Um, but effectively, it's what can you do to keep goods um, out of landfill and keep them uh, moving for longer, living for longer and get the, the, the most out of them um, in the process. Uh, so. Uh, in that, we um, we saw that there was a real opportunity to reach out to 
or build a solution for uh, small to medium-sized uh, retailers and brands uh, who were very underserved in this market um, because the costs uh, and uh, barriers to entry were just simply too high. Um, and that was really where the idea for Turn was born. Um, Turn is a trade-in service um, predominantly, or rather it's a way that we can get um, more retailers and more brands participating in the circular economy through trade-in, because that is what we see as kind of the first start to any of those circular models that I talked about before. Um, you have to recover the product uh, in order to extend the life of it. And we believe that no one is better placed to recover that product than the people that brought it into the market in the first place. Great. And um, and how, I guess, do you have a view on how big the opportunity or the market is for this and kind of where it is now versus how quickly it's growing and where it's likely to get to? So there are a number of um, indicators around uh, how, uh, what this market could look like. Um, I think probably the one that is most often cited is the growth of the resale market, um, because uh, that um, there's been a lot of evidence of growth. It is the fastest growing part of retail, um, so much faster than uh, traditional. Some people say it's 5x, some people say it's 17x, um, you know, in terms of the, the speed of, of growth uh, that we're looking at. And... Um, you know, I think that the the expectation, though, and the indicators in terms of where we're seeing brands and retailers participate in this market shows uh, just how much, um, just how serious the market is about it, really. Um, you know, waste is undoubtedly a huge problem that we are all facing into. Um, there is increasing evidence of customers showing real preference for brands that are taking initiatives to demonstrate that they care about the environment, um, whether that's in the uh, initial production of the product, but all the way through to end of life. And, um, you know, there are other kind of key uh, examples, such as the growth in rental um, that we are seeing and the level of participation from a number of brands into the rental market, particularly in the high-end and luxury space, um, but across the board, as well as the repair space. I mean, we've even seen Uniqlo now um, open up the door to uh, to repairs in their um, U.S. stores, which is, I think, evidence of the demand that exists, as well as the intention and the movement in this direction overall. We started Turn, or built the Turn app specifically for the Shopify platform uh, because of the, the growth and scale that Shopify provides, as well as the amazing uh, structure that it <laughs> allows for, that it is truly a plug and play environment. And I'm sure as you know this, and hopefully everyone listening knows as well, you know, over 2 million merchants are now on the Shopify platform globally. Um, about half of those sell a physical product that could be recovered uh, for the purpose of resale or reuse. Um, so we feel that's a pretty, pretty big opportunity in terms of um, the number of brands and retailers that have the potential to participate in the circular economy. 
That makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely um, a trend that I've seen. I, re- I think I've probably had about five clients mention that they've got or at least have trading on their short term roadmap. And there's a couple of really interesting industries in there. Um, so you mentioned that Turn is currently solely focused on Shopify, which makes sense. A lot of kind of the SaaS um, kind of startups are going that way in the e-com space um what does the setup process look like and what does the end-to-end customer journey look like currently uh so the setup is really straightforward um i mean the the actual kind of uh setup of the app uh you can do in less than a day um you know the primary uh things that we would expect a merchant to think about as they're going through that process and there's a tooltip guide and the rest of it that walks you through it um that onboarding process but is the eligibility rules so do you want to make all of your catalog um eligible for trade-in uh or just certain parts of your catalog um and then the the how you want to play the pricing rules so we have a pricing engine which allows you to determine what your offer price for trade-in will be on the goods that um, uh, that you're making eligible for trade-in. And that can be a, a flat price um, based on the original selling price. It can be a, um, a percentage of the original selling price, or we have a more uh, kind of dynamic pricing engine that allows you to look at uh, not only the category of the product, uh, but also um, how old the product is. So when was it originally purchased and therefore how long has it been out there in the world? Um, and that can be either appreciating or depreciating depending on your uh, your intention for the products. Um, uh, and then typically it is a, um, a percentage of that, uh, that price, but it could uh, um, move along. And the view there is that over time, um, that'll get smarter and smarter. But the setup itself currently is really straightforward, really easy. And again, one of the joys of Shopify is that uh, it, is, um, uh, it is so quick and easy to, uh, to set up and manage, uh, which is what made it so attractive to us from the start. That makes complete sense. Um, So this is an interesting question and we've talked about it a bit um, or we spoke about it when we went for breakfast recently. Um, What is your recommendation in terms of handling the trading process? Is there like a best practice approach? And I guess this comes back to what we were talking about earlier. Um, So I've got a couple of clients that really like this idea and they're in two minds, I guess, in terms of how they should utilize the product that's coming back and whether that should be something that's given to charity or passed on to another recycling route or it's something they should resell. Um, Yeah, what's what's your kind of um, suggestion here or is it a case of you need to evaluate? Yeah, what's your advice? So I think where we're seeing the most demand or the, the, the greatest intent is around resale. Um, you know, and and that is what we would like to see as well, um, because it is arguably the most sustainable thing that you can do with your product um, is to keep it in use for longer. And we um and we also believe that it can be a, a new revenue channel. Um, it is a fantastic way uh to um acquire a new customer. Um, that potentially isn't buying with you for that um, original uh, sale price, maybe because of where your price points are at um, or because of their own um, uh, preferences for buying into the secondhand market. 
Um, so we think it opens up an, uh, opens up a door that way as well. Um, but we also understand that that's one, not the only route. And um, and actually the beta partners that we've been working with, so we went into beta in October of last year, and the beta partners that we've been working with all have taken slightly different tacks with what their intentions are for the product. Um, so some are reselling, um, others are uh, recycling. And others are upcycling, so taking that product back and reusing it to make new product as well. That makes sense. And in terms of the, um, if if people were to um, get the product back and they don't know what to do with it, do you know of any kind of third parties that could help with either recycling the product or um, potentially use it um, as part of a manufacturing process or something like that? So the, the term product and, and our service is sector agnostic. So we we built it in a way that whether you're um, you know you're selling uh, watches or sunglasses or apparel or toys or cookware, um, you know the service can function for any of those categories. Um, you know we even see a use case where you could be a beauty brand and you want to bring back your um, uh, empties. Uh, for the purpose of recycling those as well. Um, so we don't have a specific, okay, if you want to do recycling, this is who you go to, or if you want to do resale, this is who you go to. Um, we do have a handful now of um, of uh, potential avenues and outlets of where products can go um, in the UK market. And specifically, um, the, the biggest uh, opportunities there are around apparel um, but the view very much is that we will continue to build out that network and identify additional partners um, and um, and additional routes for product, um, whether that's you know donation routes um, or other recycling routes, um, downcycling routes as well, because not everything can be recycled into um, a material for remanufacturing and reuse, um, but. It could be something that could be downcycled into uh, insulation or, um, you know, playground flooring, depending on what the goods are. Uh, so I think, you know, whilst we will definitely help and advise on that front, um, and it's something that we would hope to grow a, a community around because we think it is so important. Um, it's not, there's not so much a, you just need to go and talk to these guys and they'll sort you out. Um, so it's definitely on the cards and something that we, we certainly want to support with. And what's really exciting is that, you know, it seems like every day there is um, new innovation in this space. Um, somebody working to crack this problem in a different way. And we fully expect that more and more of the services will become available to us. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it, but um, from what you were saying, no, it feels like there's a good opportunity for you to um, yeah, own a lot of that process. And I think particularly some of the bigger brands will have objectives around some of this stuff. So it feels like there's a really big gap there, actually. Um, I think one of the things that was really key to us, though, is that we didn't want to take on... Um, kind of fully taking away the product from the brands and retailers that want to participate. And there are a couple of reasons for that. I think ownership over that journey is incredibly important to really understand what happens to a product once it's left your doors. 
and what you can then do with it. Because beyond kind of the, you know, the resale opportunity, which again, if there is a resale market and there probably is, there's a really good chance that your product is already being sold somewhere else by somebody else. Um, so participating in that is a really good one. But also um, thinking about and exploring how you can break down your product um, for the purpose of um, uh, remanufacture is incredibly important. Ideally, we get to the point where people are making their products so that they can be um, either, you know, they're either biodegradable or fully regenerative uh, as well. But uh, we're still a little ways away from that one. Yeah, absolutely. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance. Experience freedom. Um, and beyond the kind of potential resale or the CSR side of things, what other benefits do you see to brands and retailers um, of going down this route? Uh, so I think one of them, obviously, is, as I've just said, it is around understanding your product, understanding your product better, uh, the wear and tear of it, um, and kind of what happens to it next. And, um, you know, there might be uh, opportunities to see how you could extend the life of the product within the hands of your customer, whether through that uh, a repairs program or by having uh, replacement parts that you can sell. Um, you know, I can't tell you how many toys as a, um, a parent of young children we have in the house where if you lose one part, the entire product, the entire toy becomes kind of redundant. Um, and if I could buy replacement parts for those, um, that would become much more valuable to me. And I think it's that type of thinking that will uh, really improve the model overall and reduce the amount of waste that exists. But the other really, really big benefit that we see um, is uh, the, the customer retention piece. So, you know, we, um, uh, you know, not only are our retailers interested in running the trade-in programs because of the sustainable benefits that come with those and the participation in circular economy and the potential new revenue streams and all of that kind of good stuff, but um, by re-engaging with your customers, whether they're lapsed or lapsing customers, um, you know, giving them an incentive and a reason to come back to you to trade in their goods and issuing them with credit, because we actually haven't talked through the journey yet, and I should probably do that, exactly how it works, um, issuing credit to those customers so that they can then spend with you again in the future. There is a, um, a credit redemption piece, which means there's a, a, an increase in the likelihood that they will spend with you again, increasing their customer lifetime value. Um, and uh, in addition to that, it's a um, a really wonderful way for you to be able to talk to your customers about, you know, product anniversaries. Well, you've owned that product, um, you know, for let's say one of the one of the people that we're talking to at the moment is a children's wear brand. Well, you've owned that product now uh, for a year. It's only meant to fit eight to nine year olds. Um, you know, does it still fit? Um, and if it doesn't, trade it in, and we'll give you credit, and you can buy the nine to ten. Um, and uh, and then we've got a, a product that we can sell on the secondhand market to someone that's looking for that eight to nine. And I think that's the um, you know 
the potential and the opportunity around really engaging with your existing customer um, and giving them good reason to choose you again um, rather than choosing uh, maybe an alternative just for the point of change. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and you touched on there around kind of explaining the journey. I guess what is the what would an optimal journey look like for you in terms of like all of the comms um, to the user as well? Uh, so, so right now, the experience for our customer, and again, what we've tried to do is make something that is really easy for the merchant to set up, um, but also really easy for the customer to use. So um, the experience is completely embedded within the retailer's website. Um, they can choose how they want to promote it. Obviously, we would suggest that they might want to promote it on their top navigation, maybe have a, a trade-in section, particularly if they've got a resale section. If they have any pages about sustainability, it should be included there. We would definitely encourage you know, any kind of promotional pieces around um, uh, kind of homepage content, um, but also uh, in your email and your communication programs, um, an incredibly important opportunity around talking to your existing base because this is very much around engaging your core customer today, people who have already shopped with you. So email is a fantastic uh, channel to communicate the program. Let them know exactly why you're doing it, what your intentions are with the product that you bring back. Um, you know, give them an indication of, um, of, of how uh, the offer pricing works. Um, and then when they um, move forward with that process and they, you know, they click on the link um, and they end up at uh, our kind of um, uh, our app experience, which again is embedded in the merchant site. It's completely white labeled. It looks and feels like the brand that you're on. We're not taking you out to some separate experience. Um, the customer can either log in with their credentials. They have account credentials. Um, and we actually think that our service gives them a great reason to have accounts. Um, but if they don't, they can use the order number from their uh, previous emails and um, use that to look up previous purchases as well. It presents them with the products that they've bought. Um, and right now, our service is all about that order history piece, although we're working on something currently, which will change that. Um, and they look at their order history. They can see the offer price that you're willing to give them. It's completely transparent. We're not asking for them to comment on the quality of the goods or kind of the state that they're in, um, but rather just this is what you get. It's a haggle-free, hassle-free um, opportunity to trade in. Um, yes, you might not get as much as you would if you were doing a kind of peer-to-peer -peer marketplace sale, but you have the advantage of being able to uh, know exactly what you're going to get, um, you know, when you do that trade-in, and it's quick and it's easy and it's you know no pain for you. Um, that you're going to trade in, um, you confirm your uh, your contact details, which we again have because we're able to pull them through from Shopify and you can verify those. Um, we give you a, a, a shipping option through the integrated logistics piece, which means that you can see where you can drop the goods off. You can either print a label or you have a QR code, so you can have printerless label options. And then, um, and then you confirm your trade-in and you're pretty much done. We encourage the customer to use their own packaging at home so that we're not incurring any more waste. They don't have to wait for anything to arrive. Um, they package up their goods, they pop the label on or take it down to the local drop-off, um, send it away. And as soon as the merchant receives it, they're able to recognize that what was sent back was what was meant to come back. We've already got all the data on it and they issue the credit 
um, for the amount that was agreed at the very outset. So again, it's really super straightforward, um, very little room for kind of uh, additional contact that would be required. Um, and that's something that was really important to us. You know, there are a number of people who are already running manual programs out there, but they will often require that you fill out a form, that you take a picture, that you say what you think the quality of the good is, or kind of, you know, what, you know, is it, is it really well worn or is it just lightly worn? And again, all of those things throw barriers in the way of the customer actively participating. And we want participation. We want everybody um, to be able to, uh, to play. Um, and that is a, you know, a key component, a key aim or ambition that we've got. Yeah, that makes sense. I think the frictionless piece is pretty key to that. I agree. Um, one other thing you mentioned that, and I think, um, so with two of the clients that we've got that are almost like betering this are in the luggage space. And I think it's a really nice message from a CRM perspective because you don't necessarily expect someone to come and buy another you know suitcase or you know particular type of bag um and i do think yeah it's a really nice message being able to trade in you know even if it's three years down the line being able to trade in your previous one and you know outlining like the benefits to the environment as well as to them so yeah i think it's um it's a really nice addition to kind of crm flows and everything else um and then i guess i know you're still consulting for brands at the moment and uh you've worked with a number of really big brands um and i've obviously talked about our clients looking at it but they're much smaller um is this something that they're looking at like that kind of like much more enterprise level brand um absolutely i mean i think we have seen um you know whilst the the, the barriers are higher for those bigger um, uh, bigger brands and bigger retailers because of the, uh, the anxiousness around um, the volume of product that might come back and how they're going to work through it. And arguably, those brands probably do need a third party to help support them. They probably have a third you know, a third party supporting them with their um, warehousing anyway. Um, uh, but there is a an extra layer of uh, complexity, I think, that comes with that. Um, but it's on the agenda. It is definitely a discussion point. There is exploration. There is piloting. Um, there are, you know, um, there's a lot of awareness of the growth of resale channels, uh, the likes of Depop or Vintage or Bestiaire. Um, you know, they can see the the shift and the movement there, and they are thinking about how they can participate. You know, with with you know net zero ambitions, with you know um, a move towards finding a way in which they can definitely. Um, uh, speak to their credentials with confidence and deliver against it in reality. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not greenwashing. This is, if anything, their reservations about participation are around a fear of, uh, of greenwashing. Um, but it is a hundred percent on the agenda for all of these businesses. I think the, the path that we see is total ownership. Um, and we think that it is, something that is arguably easier for a smaller, more nimble um, business to be able to do. And we think that SMEs have a real advantage there. And we're not alone in thinking that. There have been a number of reports uh, to the same effect um, that they can really drive the change on this side. 
Um, but those bigger businesses as well, ultimately, will benefit from owning this 100% themselves. Um, because, you, you know, in the same way that those businesses have moved from, uh, um, you know, really expansive wholesale um, uh, marketplace relationships to more consolidated, more selective, more sustainable um, uh, kind of footprints where their partners are really um, selected to mirror their values and they know they're going to work with them in partnership and they have themselves also moved towards more of a D2C model, we see this space also operating very much in a, in a D2C um, environment where you want to own that customer and you need to own that product to truly achieve this sustainable growth, um, you know, whatever your uh, end goal is. Makes sense. Um, I think Patagonia introduced it. Is it rewear their one? Re, is it is reborn. Yeah, reborn. That's it. Yeah, um, I think that coming out. I think that must have been like a couple of years ago now. That seems to have triggered a lot of people's interest as well. Um, to yeah, one of the clients that we have um, was definitely very aware of that, and I think that was a big part of, or that was good inspiration for them. And Patagonia is one of my favorite examples and I feel kind of I feel like I should use some other example because it's kind of like back in the day when everyone used Apple for the example yeah, of you know, what good yeah. retail or what good tech look like or what good yeah. customer experience look like um, but but the truth is there's a reason why Apple is that and there's a reason why Patagonia is this um, yeah. you know uh, they have always had um, their impact as a center focus to uh, what they do um, and you know if you read um, uh, Yvonne Chouinard, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, you know, his book, Let My People Go Surfing. It's one of the like best business, you know, books you could ever possibly read. It's just awesome. Um, but they've been very clear with their intentions and, um, and, and true to what it is that they're doing. And, and not only are they doing things like the reworn program, and the buyback program, and obviously it's key to their space, right? They're all about the outdoors. They're all about the environment. Their customers care about it. And we've actually seen that to be true for the kind of outdoor space in particular. Um, they have been faster to move here than a lot of other retailers uh, for that reason. But they are also doing really clever things like not just selling, you know, the good stuff, um, but taking back the other stuff too, with the intention to repair it and remanufacture it. So, you know, Patagonia has done some really cool upcycling with their product. Um, you know, they are kind of truly uh, utilizing it and using it in a way that's really clever. And now they're starting to sell that product alongside their new product too. Um, again, giving the customer that choice of buying something firsthand or buying it in the secondhand market, which we think is the way forward. And I'm um, switching up the order of the questions a little bit, but are there any others that you think like, or any other really good brands that are, are doing this as well? Maybe not to the same level, but any other examples? Uh, there are tons of examples. Um, so uh, Eileen Fisher, I think is another um, great one who has been in this space for uh, some time now. And again, it's been kind of core to their ethos and who they are. Um, you know, uh, the North Face is um, a, an active participant as well, as I said, in kind of the sports brand area. Um, there are um, brands like, oh, I can't ever say it, Astrotrix, um, uh, who, who uh, are also yeah, yeah. here too. Um, so they're definitely kind of, you know, uh, driving that forward. Um, you know, obviously, IKEA 
is doing buyback now. Lululemon is doing buyback now. Um, you know, a lot of the big brands are running either pilot programs or um, you know, have really taken it on board, uh, which is fantastic to see and to see their articulation of it. Um, some of those outdoor brands like REI in America, which is sport um, kind of, again, kind of outdoors and sports. Decathlon are doing some interesting things in the kind of rental space. So there are some really good things happening there. And then on the small side, we're seeing some wonderful brands that are, you know, um, have either started this way from the outset. Um, so they kind of created their businesses with uh, circularity in mind and how they would be able to offer a take back program where they've got regenerative design in their product. So they're thinking about how they can bring it back to make something new. Um, and then of course, I cannot, uh, not mention our beta partners because, um, they are fantastic examples as well. So, you know, Presca, um, which is a cycling wear brand, um, that we work with are, you know, absolutely fantastic. And they've done some really cool things. They're doing repairs as well as the trade-in, um, Smalls Merino, which is a children's wear and women's wear brand, although now they're doing men's too. So I think that's probably everything, but yeah, beautifully Merino, um, product, um, uh, beautiful Merino product rather that, um, uh, you know, they're doing resale, uh, with, um, Gung Ho London, which does gorgeous design, women's wear fashion, um, uh, and the Overland as well. Uh, another one of our partners, um, who does outdoor gear, um, and has been doing repairs too. I mean, I think there is, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of, of, fantastic evidence of big and small moving in this direction, um, which we're really excited to, to see the growth in. Lovely, yeah, loads of examples there. Um, and then final question for me. So what um, what else is on the roadmap for turns? You've mentioned a few things, but both medium term and long term, what else have you got coming up? So the biggest thing that we have coming up and kind of the highest priority that we have right now, um, as I said earlier, currently the um, any trade-in that we manage is based on order history that exists in that direct-to-consumer channel, specifically e-commerce. Um, what we want to be able to do is build out an additional flow that would allow you to trade in um, any goods that were purchased in a physical location. So in a store, your store, if you're an omni-channel retailer, um, or if you have wholesale partners um, and you purchased, um, uh, the, the, the product was purchased at a multi-brand retailer, a big department store, um, that that product as well would be eligible for trade-in um, and could be brought back uh, uh, to the retailer. So we're looking at a flow that would be in addition to the product where we have that order history, where you can... Um, register that product. Um, again, we see a huge amount of benefit with that. Not only does it help with things like single customer view, um, but it also allows you to start collecting data on product that you hadn't previously had visibility of, um, which in that long-term piece around things that can be brought back, recovered, and sold again or uh, remade again, it gives you the kind of the start to that and the data to be able to collect and analyze over time. Brilliant. Oh, sorry, there on. are other things too. Sorry. Um, uh, you know, we do want to kind of complete things like repairs journeys and um, uh, and we will be looking at other platforms as well. So we don't plan to always be Shopify. Um, uh, at least that's the, the thinking at the moment is that we will definitely want to expand out and, um, and service some of the other platforms that are out there. Uh, we do think there's plenty of growth for us on Shopify to start with. 
Yeah, I think the repairs thing's interesting as well. Like two of the brands that I talked about earlier also have returns on their roadmaps. Neither of them have done it yet, but I think, um, yeah, it's just a good touch point, I think, for brands that are... Um, both of those are very high AOV, um, high ticket items. And I think um, it's definitely something they should have control of as part of their kind of proposition. And as you say, there's sustainability benefit as well. Um, but yeah, I think that was a really interesting episode. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, if people want to find out more about Turn or even uh, kind of get a demo or set up a call, what's the best way for people to contact you? Uh, anyone is very welcome uh, to contact me uh, via LinkedIn. Um, uh, but also, if you go to our website, which is www.turn.eco, um, there is the link there to um, set up a demo uh, or contact us. And we're very responsive, um, very happy to talk at any time. Perfect. Thank you. And um, thanks, as always, for anyone that's listening. Um, and as always, if you've enjoyed the episode or you enjoyed the podcast, please uh, give us a like on YouTube uh, or follow us on any of the other channels. Um, yeah, thanks, everyone, for listening. Amazing. Thank you, Paul. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.